بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم اغفر لنا ولشيخنا واحفظه وارفع قدره وللمسلمين أجمعين أما بعد باب ما جاء أن الغلو في قبول الصالحين يصيرها أوثانا تعبد من دون الله recorded from Malik ibn Anas in his muwatta that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Oh Allah, do not let my grave become an idol that is worshipped. Allah's wrath is intensified upon people taking their prophets, their, their, their prophets' graves as masjids. From Ibn Jarir, with a chain to Sufyan, from Mansur, from Mujahid, it was mentioned that, Have you seen Allatul Uzza, the ayah? Afara'aytum Allatul Uzza? He said, He used to prepare a sawiq for them. Then he died. So they devoted their time by his grave. And Abu Abu al-Jawza said similarly from Ibn Abbas, he prepared a sawiq during Hajj. Ibn Abbas, may, may Allah be pleased with him, said, Allah's Messenger وسلم, cursed the woman visitors of the grave and those who take them as masjids and illuminate them. Recorded <coughs> by the Sunan. This chapter is connected to the previous two chapters. This chapter is connected to the previous two chapters in which the Shaykh was explaining to us the reason why shirk appeared in this ummah which is the asbab or the reasons from them is al-ghulufis-salihin going overboard with regards to the those who are righteous and then he mentioned the story of uh, hadith of abdullah bin abbas anhu, with the people of nuh salam then he mentioned the fact that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam cannot guide those whom he wishes to be guided meaning the guidance of giving them enlightenment and giving them putting the iman into their hearts the prophet sallallahu does not possess that and that means that the prophet sallallahu was a messenger a prophet of allah jalla wa'ala and a messenger lakin he was a rasul a messenger fala yukadhab he is not to be belied and he is a abd min ibadillah fala yu'bad he is a servant from the servants of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is not to be worshiped in this chapter the shaykh hussein rahimahullah is mentioning another reason uh, or another uh, way in which qubur or graves can be taken as masajid and he says he's mentioning the fact that going overboard and going to extreme with the qubur salihin the righteous uh, the graves of those that are righteous it makes it it makes it idols that are worshipped besides Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the maqsood of the tarjama is Bayanu anna al-ghuluwa fi quburi salihin Bayanu anna al-ghuluwa fi quburi salihin Bittikhadiha masajida Aw bil-ukufi alayha Aw bil-salati indaha Yaj'aluha awthanan tu'badu min dunillah Wafihi bayanu anna hadha min asbab al-shirk so the maqsood of the tarjama or the objective of this tarjama is to clarify that going overboard in the graves of those that are righteous and taking it, taking these graves as places of worship and remaining there for long periods of time, al-uquf, staying there for long periods of time without a need or praying in it or towards it, yaj'aluha, it makes it awthanan, it makes it awthanan, those things that are worshipped Besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also in the chapter, there's a clarification on some of the 
asbab or one of the asbab of shirk one of the reasons and the means that lead to shirk so awthan the meaning of al-awthan is jam'wathan awthan is plural for the word wathan and it is ismun jami'un ismun jami'un likulli ma yu'badu min dunillah ismun jami'un likulli ma yu'badu min dunillah it is a comprehensive name a word that entails everything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Shaykh says, Rahimahullah, mentions the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma la taj'al qabri wathana yu'badu min yu'badu. He made dua sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah jalla wa ala doesn't make his grave a wathan. And wathan is that everything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua that Allah doesn't make his grave a wathan, meaning a place that people come to in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and spend a lot of period of time there and so on. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi said, The anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is severe upon those, upon a people who take the masajid or take the graves of their prophets as masajid. So in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned two things. He mentioned that Allah Jalla wa Ala, or he, meant, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't make his grave a place of worship. And in that there's a prohibition from taking the grave of the Prophet ﷺ as a place of worship. So when you go there, you make dua, you give salam to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Make du'a for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then you pray in the semesjid as normal. You make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa taala as normal, facing the qibla of Allah jalla wa ala, and not making du'a to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Also in the hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the anger of Allah subhanahu wa taala is severe upon those who take the houses of they take the graves of their prophets as masajid as places of worship as places of worship and in the last lesson we talked about what ittikhad al-masajid is or ittikhad al-qubur al-masajid is or masajida which is either going there to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at these graves spending long periods of time praying in those graveyards all of this is from taking the graves of the grave graves of the righteous as places of worship. Then in the next hadith, and that hadith is weak, like in, in of itself is weak, like in there are many other hadith strengthening it and the meaning as well. So it is Hassan. Then the Prophet, then the Shaykh said Rahimahullah Ta'ala Rahmatan Wasi'ah, he mentioned the story of uh, the hadith that we came across recently أَفَرَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّةِ And then he mentioned قَالَ كَانَ يَلُدْتُ لَهُمُ السَّوِيقَ فَمَاتَ فَعَكَفُ عَلَى قَبْرِهِ So Lat was a righteous man who used to uh, make porridge for the hujjaj make porridge for the hujjaj so he was a righteous man who would serve uh, be of a, be, uh, who would serve those people that are performing hajj and then when he died for they stayed in his grave, started to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at his grave, and then eventually leading to leading to shirk, whereby 
they would worship him whereby they would worship him طيب. so the mahalu shahid would be the fact that that man was righteous the fact that he was righteous caused them to go overboard in glorifying him and remaining at his grave and taking it as a place of worship and then in the last chapter or in the last hadith the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas عنه, the Prophet said or Abdullah ibn Abbas said La'ana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cursed Zairat al-Qubur those uh, women that visit the graveyards وَالْمُتَّخِذِينَ عَلَيْهَا مَسَاجِدًا and those that take it as a masajid and by now you all know what it means to take it as a masajid to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at these graves face them, praying on them and so on and spending long periods of time worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at these graves and وَالسُّرُجْ and those who illuminate or lighten up the graves so this hadith <coughs> mentions three things the fact that the Prophet ﷺ cursed those who visit the graves. Now for women visiting graves, the scholars mention, obviously there's a difference of opinion. Uh, for those that mention that it is permissible, impermissible, they use, it, <coughs> they, use, they use this hadith as evidence. And then there are those that say that this hadith was before the concession where the Prophet ﷺ made it permissible for women to go. And the evidence for that is the fact that he taught Aisha radiallahu anha, the dua for when visiting the graves. And if it wasn't permissible for women to visit the graves, they say he wouldn't have he wouldn't have taught Aisha radiallahu anhu radiallahu anhuma that dua. Also, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam came across a woman, uh, and he who was always clearly uh, grieving, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told her to be patient, and then she said some words to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that weren't befitting, and then later on when she found out. Uh, she said to came to the Prophet sallallahu and she said she didn't know that he was the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and then he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam something similar to those lines. Sabr is at the first instance. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi saw that woman and he told her to be patient and he did not tell her that it was not permissible for her to to visit these graves. And also they say that <coughs> as for the cursing mentioned in this hadith. As for the cursing mentioned in this hadith, they say it is for those women who visit the graveyards in a way that contradicts the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the third part of the, or the second part is taking it as masajid. So the Prophet sallallahu mentioned all of these three things. And taking it as graves or taking it as masajid or places of worship will lead it to being worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the great principles of the sharia from the great principles of the sharia closing the doors off that can lead to something so you will find that in the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah jalla wa ala is al-hakim that if Allah makes something haram then everything else that can lead to that thing is haram everything that is haram things that are haram then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala closes off all of the boundaries, that all of the means that can lead to that. And the greater the sin, the more 
the means to that sin are prohibited. So from the means of shirk is to take to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at these at these graves. With, naam. With regards to the last mas'ala of women visiting the graves, there's a difference between women visiting the graves and women following the grave, following the janazah. It is not permissible for women to follow the janazah on the day of the janazah, like in they can visit uh, afterwards, as many of the scholars clarify. Uh, because some of the female companions of the Prophet mentioned that they were prohibited from ittiba' al-janaiz, from following the janaiz. And the last part of the hadith was suruj, was suruj, to lighten up the graves and put lights and lamps and that on there and beautify the graves. The Prophet ﷺ prohibited from, or the hadith shows that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from this. Like in this part of the hadith is not authentic. However, other evidences point towards the fact that it is impermissible to beautify graves and the fact that it should be leveled with the ground or just off the ground by a little bit, just so a person can know that there are graves or that there are graves there. Like to beautify it leads or can lead to people spending time there whereby they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at these graves. Important points. The explanation of the meaning of the word awthan. Awthan ismun jami'un likulli ma yu'badu min dunillah. It is a name that entails a word that entails everything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The explanation of the meaning of worship. Naam. That he وسلم, was warning against what he feared would actually occur. Naam. So the Prophet وسلم, made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah Jalla wa ala would not make his grave a place of worship. <coughs> and if it wasn't something that could happen, then the Prophet would not have made dua against it. He coupled this with taking the Prophet's graves as masjids. Naam. So he mentioned the first part, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, don't make my grave a place of worship. And then he mentioned that for the previous Anbiya, the previous nations took the graves of their prophets as masajid. So the first part is making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is as if he is saying, oh Allah, don't make my grave like the graves of those previous prophets. Mentioning the intensity of Allah's wrath. Naam. And that, that, the attribute in the, uh, affirming the attribute of anger for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those that take the graves of their prophets as masjids, and not only the prophets, lacking like all of the righteous people to take it as masjids. Of the most important points is learning the origin of Allah, of Allah's worship, and that this was one of the most important idols. Now, the fact that it led them to, although he was a righteous person when he died, when he was alive, they did not worship him. Lacking like as the as time went on, as time went on, they started to go to his grave and worship him. Knowing that its origin is the grave of a righteous person? No. That a righteous it, person. That it is the name of a person in a grave and mentioning the origin of his name, that mm. is a lad to mix. Mm. Lad. Say that again. Huh? What is your statement? No. <coughs> Cursing the woman who visits graves? No, I mean, we've talked about that. Cursing those who illuminate them. Naam, due to the fitna that it can lead to. In Babylon, the next chapter. ma ja'a fi himayatil Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam janab al-tawheed wa saddihi kulla tariqin yusilu ila shirki. Tayyip, lahda. So there was this chapter, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is the last chapter of the four chapters that were to come. 
Afwan, this is the last chapter of the previous chapters. The four chapters that I said were connected. Being what? Taib. Naam. So the chapter, Babu Maja and the Sabah Kufi Bani Adam. Then the chapter, Babu Maja, Fi Taghlidi, Mina Taghlidi, Fi Man Abada, Allah. The 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, I believe. All of these chapters, eh? 22nd. الشيخ سيز رحمه الله باب ما جاء في حماية مصطفى باب this is the chapter talking about those narrations أحاديث and verses and أحاديث relating to في حماية مصطفى أي في حفظ مصطفى how the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم protected how the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم protected المصطفى meaning the chosen one our Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم جناب التوحيد أي جانب التوحيد how he protected the boundaries of Tawheed sallallahu alayhi wa That's number one. So this chapter talks about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa protected the boundaries of Tawheed. And secondly, وَسَدِّهِ كُلَّ طَرِيقٍ يُوصِلُ And the fact that he sallallahu alayhi wa closed off all of the doors and paths, that could possibly lead to shirk. So the maqsood of the tarjama is, حماية أو إظهار حماية النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حماية إظهار حماية النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم presenting and demonstrating the protection of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم لمقام التوحيد for the position of Tawheed and the protection and the boundaries and the borders of Tawheed من كل ما ينقضه وينقصه من كل ما ينقضه from everything that can totally get rid of it that can destroy it أو ينقصه or that can decrease it وأنه صلى الله عليه وسلم أنوسى سد الذرائع سد الذرائع المفضية he closed off all of the means that lead to المفضية إلى الشرك that lead to الشرك طيب. Someone can say, why did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mention? Why did the Sheikh mention Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Although this is found in the Quran of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and the answer is because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the first person from this ummah to do so. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the first person to do so. And secondly, that many of the people. <coughs> Many of the people who fall into or go overboard with praising the Prophet and start to worship the Prophet and start to call upon the Prophet they do so by going overboard with the Prophet and exaggerating in the Prophet rights. Therefore, therefore this chapter heading or this chapter is a refutation to them. 
يعني تزيف الشيخ حسين رحمه الله all you who is worshiping the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or calling upon the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself called to the tawhid of allah and protected the boundaries of the tawhid of allah and not only that like he closed off all of the paths that can lead to shirk so how can you the one that is claiming to follow the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam do the opposite to him tafaddal وقوله تعالى لقد جاءكم رسول من أنفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف الرحيم. طيب. الشيخ سيد رحمه الله mentions the verse of Allah جل وعلا as an evidence which is لقد جاءكم رسول من أنفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف الرحيم. The Prophet Allah جل وعلا is telling us that he has sent a messenger from among us. From, from the Arabs, from the people of Quraysh, he has sent them the prophet, a prophet from among them, and it grieves him, and it harms him. Everything that grieves them and is difficult upon them, and he is eager for their guidance. A harisun ala hidayatikum, harisun alaykum, a harisun ala hidayatikum, and he is eager for your guidance, and he strives for your guidance. So the wajhud dalala, the point of evidence for this verse, is yalzamu min wasfi nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yalzamu min wasfi al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bihadihi sifat annahu hama li-ummatihi at-tawheedah annahu hama li-ummatihi التوحيد وأبعدهم وأبعدهم عن الطرق عن الطرق الموصلة إلى الشرك وذلك لحرصه وذلك لحرصه على هدايتهم وشفقته عليهم وشفقته عليهم and the meaning of that is يلزم من وصف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم it necessitates the fact that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has been given these great attributes of being from among us and want harms him everything that harms us harms him Everything that causes us grief causes him grief. So, because the Prophet ﷺ had these great traits, it necessitates that he protected the boundaries of Tawheed and he protected us and he distanced us and he warned us against a shirk and everything that can lead to shirk. And that is due to his eagerness in our guidance or for our guidance and his mercy upon us sallallahu alayhi wasallam and in some hadith the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that the example of him is the example of a person who is falling into the fire and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is pushing him back sallallahu alayhi wasallam then the next hadith the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said Father.
Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Do not make your homes into graves and do not make my grave a place of celebration and say, Send salah upon me for surely your salah will reach me from wherever you are. In this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لا تجعلوا بيوتكم قمورا Do not make your graves, do not make your homes into graves. That's number one. Number them, inshallah. Number these points. لا تجعلوا بيوتكم قبورا. Number one. Do not make your graves, your homes graves. Number two. ولا تجعلوا قبري عيدا. ولا تجعلوا and do not make قبري my grave عيدا. Eid, a place of Eid that you constantly come back to and you celebrate at all the time. وَصَلُّوا عَلَيَّ And number three, وَصَلُّوا عَلَيَّ فَإِنَّ صَلَاتَكُمْ تَبْلُغُنِي حَيْثُ كُنْتُمْ And send peace and salutations upon me, for verily your peace and salutations reach me, regardless of where, regardless of where you are. In this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the word of Dalala is that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or we can see the prohibition from different angles, and the connection between the title of the chapter and the hadith, being how the Prophet protected the boundaries of Tawheed. Number one, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he protected us, he prohibited us from ittikhadu qabrihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ittikhadu al-qubur, ittikhadu al-qubur masajida. He prevented us from taking or making our homes into graveyards. And you can tell from the hadith, the fact that it was known among the companions that you don't pray in graveyards. Shuf, when the Prophet is saying, لا تجعلوا بيوتكم قبورا, What did he say? Don't take your graves as what? Don't take your houses as what? As graves. Did he say, for verily, you do not pray in graveyards? Did he say that in the hadith? Lakin that is the common knowledge that was known among the companions of the Prophet wasallam. So he's saying, Ya Jama'ah, do not take your homes as graves do not make your homes graves for verily obviously you already know that you don't pray in where that you don't pray in in graves so that is the first one or that is the first point how the prophet sallallahu protected the boundaries of tawheed meaning what pray in your homes pray sunnah prayers at your homes and make sure that your houses are a place of Prayer and ibadah, not only prayer, like you make sure your homes are places of ibadah. So you don't make ibadah at graveyards, like you make ibadah at your at your homes. That's why the prayer of the Muslim or the best prayer that a Muslim can pray is in his home, apart from the five daily prayers and the Jum'ah taban, and those prayers that are legislated in congregation. For example, Eid Eid prayer. For example, Salat al-Taraweeh. These prayers are legislated in congregation. Like in every other prayer, for example, the Rawatib, Salat al-Duha, Witr, all of these prayers are legislated to be prayed at home. Contradicting the situation and the hal of the graveyards. 
Then the Prophet sallallahu said And do not make my grave a Eid A Eid How? By coming there at a certain time To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And making it a constant place So even when we visit Medina, we don't say we're going to visit the grave of the Prophet We say we're going to visit the masjid of the Prophet And in the Prophet, or next to the Prophet masjid is the grave of the Prophet And we give him salam The Prophet said in the authentic hadith لا تشد رحالة إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد That you do not travel towards the masjid except Do not travel towards masjid, mosques, for ibadah Except for three things, except for three masjids, three masjids, the Haram of Allah Jalla wa Ala in Mecca, the Masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the Masjid Masjid Al Aqsa. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala free it from the Shayateen. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned that these three masjids should be travelled to. So we shouldn't be travelling to the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, istiqlal and independently away from the masjid. Saying we're going to visit the grave of the Prophet We go to pray in the masjid of the Prophet And all of that is so that it is not taken as a masjid As a place of worship where a person goes to To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that part of the, in that part of the masjid So that is the second part or the, the, second, the second part Then the Prophet said and send your peace and salutations upon me wherever you are. Meaning you don't need to travel to the grave to what? To send peace and salutations. Salutations. Wherever you are, it will reach me. So you say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it gets presented to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and it's told to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is why the people of Ahl Hadith, Ahl Sunnah, they send peace and salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the most. Why? Because when they mention the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As for the people of Ahlul Bid'ah, they don't mention the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, although they claim to love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also, does that mean that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knows every other ibadah that we are doing? La, we restrict ourselves to the nas. We restrict our understanding to the text. In this hadith, did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say that your salah is presented to me and it reach, afwan, your ibadat are presented to me and they reach me lap. Only the peace and salutations that you send upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that is also important that we know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is in his grave. And we cannot make dua to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we cannot call upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet will not come out of the grave and talk to anyone as the Sufiya claim. Where they claim that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam went to, or a man came to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Ahmed al-Rufai, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stretched out his hand to him. No, we don't believe in any of that because if he did, he would have done so for Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar radiallahu anhu and Uthman and Ali and the rest of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Also, we can't go to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's grave and we can't talk to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and tell him everything that is going on, let alone making dua to him. The Prophet the companions of the Prophet how many incidents happened? How many calamities and problems occurred during their time? How many disputes happened during their time? Did they ever go to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? لا. طيب. تفضل.
from Ali ibn, ibn Hussein ibn al-Hussein that he saw a man come to the opening at the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He entered through it to supplicate, so he stopped him and said, "Shall I narrate to you a hadith that I heard from my father, from my grandfather, from the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam?" He said, "Do not take my grave as a place of celebration, nor your houses as graves. Say salat upon me. Surely your greetings will reach me wherever you are." Naam. So this in Tabi'i Ali ibn Hussein ibn Ali radiyallahu anhu. The grandchild of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the grandchild of Hussein uh, Ali radiallahu anhu, he saw a man come into the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and looking for a place to, to 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 go to to go in towards, and then the Prophet then the uh, then this Imam rahimahullah he taught him or he mentioned this hadith to him uh, where he said that where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said la tatakhidu do not take my Grave as a place of Eid, a place that you constantly come back to, that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you come to at a certain time. Because that is a meaning of Eid, something that occurs constantly. Something that occurs constantly. Hence we say that the Muslims have two Eids, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr. And then also he mentioned the hadith So all of the three things that I mentioned in this hadith are mentioned in in the previous hadith as well. Fadl, Important points, the explanation of the ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah. His sallallahu alayhi wa sallam severe warning for his ummah against this. Warning against what? Surah Bara'ah. Surah Bara'ah, yeah. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ And the mahalu shahid is what? The fact that the Prophet has these traits of everything that can possibly harm or cause problems to Bani Adam and the Prophet ﷺ warned us against it. And from the greatest thing that can bring us any harm is what? الشِّرْكِ بِاللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Because Allah says إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ إِنْ شُرْكَ بِهِ Allah doesn't forgive those who die upon shirk. So the first and foremost thing that he وسلم, warned against was what? Was shirk. And the last thing he warned against was shirk. And the first thing he called towards the tawheed of Allah and the last thing he called towards the tawheed of Allah Jalla wa ala. His severe وسلم, warning for his ummah against this? No. He warned against shirk subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying don't take my grave as a place of worship. It reminds us of his concern, his kindness and mercy for us. His prohibition of visiting his grave under the conditions mentioned even though visiting it is among the best deeds. No. So visiting the grave of the Prophet visiting the mist, visiting the mist of the Prophet and also visiting the Prophet is something which is legislated and is a good deed. Lacking to constantly go there for Believing or whilst believing that ibadah is better there next to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and to call upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and making it a constant place that you go back to 24/7, then that is what the Shaykh rahimahullah is warning against. And if you look at the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they wouldn't constantly go to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, even though they lived in where, in Medina, even though they lived in Medina. When they were coming into the masjid, they would come into the masjid to pray and go. They wouldn't go to the grave of the Prophet and specifically make dua and so on and so forth. His prohibition, his prohibition of visiting it often. No, his prohibition of visiting it often. His Lianna, and how do we find that? He said, And Eid is that which what? Comes back often and often 
whether it's time-wise or location-wise, a place. His emphasis of performing optional prayers in the home. Where does the, where is this found? He didn't say nafila. He didn't say sunnah. If you look into the whole chapter and the whole hadith, you won't find the sunnah anywhere. Mm -hmm. How do we ex understand what the Shaykh is saying, Rahimahullah? He encouraged what? Say that again. The emphasis of performing op optional prayers in the home. Emphasizing <coughs> praying optional prayer at home. Where is this found? Who can explain it? It requires explanation. To make it a qabr, it has to be a place of worship. To make it, uh, to not make it a qabr, it has to be a place of worship. So if you're, if the Prophet is saying, do not take it, make it a grave, then it is him saying, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then pray in the grave. Daib, what about nafila? Why does he specify nafila? Other specific texts in the Quran which says that you have to pray in the Masjid. Nah, excellent. <coughs> so the Shaykh note how he mentions Nafila. Although there's no mention of Nafila in the hadith or even in the chapter that he mentions the Shaykh. So the thing is, with this point, it's important that the student of knowledge, the Muslim, has a wholesome understanding of the Sharia. First and foremost, he said you have to pray Nawafil in your homes. Where do we understand that from? The fact that we don't pray in graves. So if the Prophet is saying, make your graves, uh, do not make your homes as graves, then he's saying, graves are not worshipped in. Therefore, make sure you worship Allah in your homes. Not only that, the second thing is not any worship, like in it is the nawafil. It is the nawafil, the sunan, the voluntary acts, salat al-duha, the rawatib that we pray before and after salat, the sunnah sun of the wudu, all of these, we pray them in the homes. How do we have the understanding of a nafila? Because we have other texts from the Quran, uh, from the sunnah, from the Quran and the sunnah, specifying that we should pray the five daily prayers in the masjid. So it's important that you have a wholesome understanding of the shaykh, and that is something that only Ahlul Sunnah have. The only people, the only group of people, who have a wholesome understanding of the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where they combine all of the evidences found in the Quran and the Sunnah are who? Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah because the deviant groups what makes them from deviant groups or make, what makes them a deviant group is that they've taken one part of the text one part of the Quran or the Sunnah and they've disregarded another portion of the Quran and the Sunnah he emphasized to them not to pray in graveyards. He gave the reason for this that even if a person is far away, his salah upon him will be conveyed to him. So there is no reason for one to believe he must be close. Nah. So the ta'aleel or the reason the Prophet mentioned that the Shaykh is saying because a person may have that excuse and saying, Ya Rasulullah, I want to come to your grave just to send peace and salutations upon you. So it's as if the Prophet ﷺ gave him the answer even before he came up with that doubt, which is, طيب خلاص, ala mechanic. Wherever you are, say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it will reach me. Say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it will reach me. A man actually came to Shaykh Imam al-Bani rahimahullah ta'ala said, the Shaykh was going to Hajj and a man came to him and he said, give my salam to the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I will, lakin, lakin, 
I'll give you something or I'll tell you something that will make your salah reach him even before I get there. Or nahuhad. Which is just say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in, his, is in the barzakh and, it, and is presented with whatever this ummah says of salah and salam upon him. Naam. Pay attention to the wording of the shaykh. Say it again. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in the barzakh and is presented with whatever this ummah says of salah or salam upon him. Of salah or salam, meaning sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam does not know anything else that we do. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam no long, is no longer in a state of life. He's not alive sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cannot answer our dua. The Prophet cannot answer our dua. So a person can't now use this hadith and say, Shuf, look, the Prophet hears the salah, salah. Therefore, he hears your dua. Therefore, he answers your dua. Look at that distant understanding of the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas when you look back at the teachings of the companions, none of them understood them, not understood the Quran and the Sunnah like that. If there was any virtue in asking the Prophet about the unseen and making dua to the Prophet they wouldn't have done it. The qa'id of Ahlul Sunnah is what? Lawkana khayran lasabakuna ilayh. Make sure you memorize that. The qa'id of Ahlul Sunnah is lawkana khayran lasabakuna ilayh. If there was any good in it, they would have proceeded us in it. It's impossible, impossible for a person that came after the companions of the Prophet to know the Sharia of Allah better than Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and the rest of the companions of Ta'ala alayhim. The next chapter. Babu Maja'a anna ba'da hadhihi al-ummati ya'budu al-awthan. Maquluhu Ta'ala alam tara ila al-ladhina utu nasiban min al-kitabi yu'minuna bil-jibti wa-ta'ghut. Maquluhu Ta'ala قل هل أنبئكم بشر من ذلك مثوبة عند الله من لعنه الله وغضب عليه وجعل منهم القردة والخنازير وعبد الطاغوت الآية وقوله قال الذين غلبوا على أمرهم لنتخذن عليهم مسجدا Pay attention to this hadith because we're going to start with the hadith first It was mentioned from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri Allah Ta'ala and reported that Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, You will follow the way of those before you precisely, so much so that if they entered the hole of a lizard, then you too would enter it. They said, O Messenger of Allah, is that the Jews and Christians? He said, Who else? Recorded by Bukhari or Muslim. This chapter, the Shaykh says, So this chapter, the Shaykh is answering a shubha that may be presented, that was presented rather in his time, a doubt. Which is to say that khalas, once the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, accepted the message of Allah and worshipped Allah Jalla wa'ala and became Muslims, there's no way that they can disbelieve. There's no way they can disbelieve. Once you say La ilaha illallah, khalas, and there's no shirk in this Ummah. There's no shirk in this Ummah. And don't have doubt, bad doubt, a bad suspicion about the Muslims. And don't think you're better than the Muslims and calling them mushrikeen and saying that they can fall into shirk. These are doubts that the Shaykh is answering in this dua. So he says, Babu Majah, the chapter of talking about or mentioning those things that came 
أن بعض بعض أن بعض هذه الأمة يعبد الأوثان لا part of this ummah will worship أوثان أوثان is everything that is worshipped besides Allah سبحانه وتعالى طيب ummah is of two types ummah is of two types ummah الدعوة and ummah الإجابة the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu is of two ummah al-da'wa and ummah al-ijaba ummah al-da'wa means the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu whether they are Muslim or non-Muslim whether they accept the message of the Prophet sallallahu or whether they reject it ummah al-da'wa meaning the nation who the people who the Prophet came to call So Allah says, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُ الطَّاقُوتِ Allah sent a messenger to every single nation calling them to the Tawheed of Allah Jalla wa'ala. Our nation in which we are, we consist of Muslims and non-Muslims and the mankind and the jinn. Our Prophet was who? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that is one understanding when it says أُمَّةُ الدَّعْوَةِ and the second understanding is Ummatul Ijaba or the second type of Ummah. Ummatul Ijaba. Ummatul Ijaba is the Ummah that accepted the message, message of the Prophet ﷺ, that accepted Islam and accepted or came into Islam. That is called Ummatul Ijaba. Those that answered the da'wah, the call of the Prophet. ﷺ. And they are the ones that the Sheikh is referring to here. They are the ones that the Prophet is referring to in this chapter. So the Sheikh is saying, Rahimahullah, I am going to mention evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah that there will be people in this Ummah, there will be people in this Ummah worshipping idols. So the Maqsud of the Tarjama is, فِيهِ إِثْبَاتٌ وَبَيَانٌ فِيهِ إِثْبَاتٌ وَبَيَانٌ أَنَّ الشِّرْكَ سَيَقَعُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ أَنَّ الشِّرْكَ سَيَقَعُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ وَغَدُّ عَلَى مَنْ يُنْكِرُ ذَلِكَ وَغَدُّ عَلَى مَنْ عَلَى مَنْ يُنْكِرُ ذَلِكَ وَفِيهِ تَحْذِيرٌ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَفِيهِ التَّنْبِيهِ لا وَفِيهِ وَفِيهِ تَحْذِيرٌ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَتَنْبِيهٌ عَلَى الْخَوْفِ مِنْهُ وَتَنْبِيهٌ عَلَى الْخَوْفِ مِنْهُ 
by the way these objectives the maqsood the munasaba the sharh everything that i mentioned is not something that obviously i could possibly have the intelligence to make up like in uh, the ulama who've explained and uh, interpreted and had commentary on have commentary on this book may allah jalla wa'ala have mercy upon every single one of them it is from them min huna wa hunak it is from them rahmatullahi alayhim wa hafidhaman so in this, the Shaykh Rahimahullah is telling us four things. <coughs> Clarifying and affirming that there are that shirk will take place in this ummah, take part in this ummah, will happen in this ummah. That's number one. Number two, and in this chapter, there's a refutation upon those that deny it. Deny what? That shirk will happen in this ummah. And also, number three, وَفِيهِ تَحْذِيرٌ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَفِيهِ تَحْذِيرٌ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ And in it as well, there's a warning against shirk. And also mentioning its importance, or the importance of fearing falling into shirk. And there was a chapter where the Sheikh talked about that specifically, which is what? Bab? Al Khawf min al Fearing, falling into Shirk. Then the Sheikh says, Rahimahullah, he mentions three verses from the Kitab of Allah, Jalla wa'ala, and two ahadith, two hadith from the Sunnah of the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I want you to go to the third hadith. Or I want you to go to the first hadith that the Sheikh mentions, Rahimahullah. And the reason why I want you to go to the hadith first is because once we understand this hadith, it will be easy to understand the point of evidencing from the two verses, from the three verses that the Sheikh Rahimahullah will mention. So the hadith says, the Prophet says, read it again. Abu Sa'd al-Khudi reported that Allah's Messenger said you will follow the way of those before you precisely so much so that if they entered the hole of a lizard then you too would enter they said O Messenger of Allah is that the Jews and Christians he said who else so in this hadith the Prophet told us and informed us of the fact that we shall follow the footsteps of those that came before us. This hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi you will follow the sanan, the path, and the ways. Of those that came before you. In every single way, precisely, you will follow their way. To the extent that if they were to go into the hole of a lizard, you would what? Go into that hole of the lizard. Why did the Prophet say the hole of the lizard? Because to get into the hole of the lizard is difficult. Like and it shows how or the extent that this ummah will imitate and will copy those nations that came before us. 
So everything that was found in them will be found in what? In us. So that is number one. Number two, in this hadith, there is a warning in following the paths or the ways of those people that came before us. And the companions asked him, who are they? Who are you referring to, sallallahu alayhi wa Do you mean the Jews and the Christians? Because they came before us. And then the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa said, faman. Yeah, and who else? Who, who else am I referring to? So this hadith mentions two important points. Number one, the Prophet is telling us no matter what you will. You will what? Follow their way. Like in, in that informing and in that telling, there's also number two, a warning in the hadith telling us to what? To not follow the way of those that came before us. And this hadith is one of those hadith that we use as evidence for the prohibition of imitating the kuffar. There's another hadith that you will hear of. Man biqawmin minhum, whoever resembles a people. But this hadith also warns us against imitating those people that came before us. Now that you've understood this, this hadith, the Prophet is telling us you will. Now the Shaykh, if we go back to these three verses, he's going to tell us things that they did, which means what? We will also what? Fall into it. We will also fall into it. Father, go back to the first verse, please. وقوله تعالى ألم تر إلى الذين أوتوا نصيبا من الكتاب يؤمنون بالجبت والطاغوت نعم so the first verse in Surah An-Nisa Allah Jalla wa Ala says have you not seen the situation of those that have been given نصيبا أي حظا أي portion of the book and it is referring to the Yehud يؤمنون بالجبت والطاغوت they believe in these two things الجبت والطاغوت Al-Jibt, the scholars say, it is ismun amun. Al-Jibt means or is ismun amun likulli ma fihi mukhalafatun li amrillahi ta'ala wa li amri rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fil i'tiqad. الجبت اسم جامع أو اسم عام لكل ما فيه مخالفة لأمر الله جل وعلا ولأمر رسوله في الاعتقاد. So Jibt is a general name they say that consists of every contradiction that a person opposes the command of Allah. Or that of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in aqidah in belief. And taqut is something that you studied. Where have you studied the meaning of taqut? Several places. Huh? Previous chapters where? Huh? Where was the first place we came across, and then also some of the other places? Usul al-Salatha. Where? Beginning, middle, end. Towards the end. Where else? Where else? Chapter 1 وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلُّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا It's good for you to have an overview of the books that you are the parts that you the, what you've studied so far. طيب. 
Zadagut means كل ما تجاوز به العبد كل ما تجاوز به العبد حده من معبود أو متبوع أو مطاع Tagut means كل ما تجاوز به العبد حده من معبود أو متبوع أو مطاع So Tagut means everything that the servant exaggerates in and goes overboard in whether it is something that is worshipped or something that is followed or someone that is followed or someone that is obeyed in that which contradicts the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Sheikh says have you not seen those people and they say that's the end, the last part of the verse. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا To those that disbelieve, هَأُولَاءِ أَهْدَى مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَبِيلًا هَأُولَاءِ أَهْدَى مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَبِيلًا And the reason for this is what happened was the Jews that used to live in Medina came to, one of them, Ka'am al-Ashraf, came to the people of Mecca. When the Prophet ﷺ started his da'wah And then They called him, Quraysh called him and said Listen, we want to present our case and To tell you about us and him His da'wah and our da'wah And you tell us who is more guided Now The Jewish person The Jewish man, Ka'am al-Ashraf The Jews were knowledgeable people They had knowledge of the book and they knew that the Prophet ﷺ was the religion, as we shall see in the Masail. They knew the Prophet ﷺ like they knew their children. Safiya, the wife of the Prophet, ﷺ, she mentioned that her father and her uncle, her father was a Jew, obviously, her uncle was a Jew as well. Before. She said that one they used to love her a lot. She was very precious to them. Out of all of the children, they used to bring her clothes and they used to take her everywhere and so on. So she said, one day I saw my dad and my uncle, they came back and I heard them talking. So it was the day that the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina. The day that the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina. As you know, everyone in Medina went out to greet the Prophet ﷺ. And they came to the Prophet ﷺ to see if he was the Prophet that they were awaiting. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ, probably they asked him a lot of questions and so on and they looked and anyhow they went back in the evening and she can hear them talking and she said I heard my father, I heard my uncle say to my father after they'd come back from the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ, he said Ahua Hua, Ahua Hua, is he the one? Meaning is he the Prophet that we were waiting for? Ahua Hua, and he said Naam Hua Hua, it is him. I asked him questions and I went from every direction and so on and so forth and it is him. 
And the uncle said, what are we going to do? Tayyip? What are we going to do? Now that we know he's the prophet, what can we do? What are we going to do? And he said, verily I am going to fight him every single day, meaning to the end of my life, I'm going to fight him. And that's how it happened. In any case, they knew who, the, who was upon the haqq. So they came to the people of Quraysh. The people of Quraysh asked them, who is better? They said, Tayyip, tell us what you're upon and tell us what he's upon. They said, we do this and we do this. They obviously said, we honor the guest and we feed the hujaj and do this and that. As for him, he cuts ties with his kinship and so on and so forth. And then he said, Tayyip, obviously you're better. Like, and he knows. He knows that he's lying. He knows that he is lying. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about them, in talking about them, they say to the mushrikeen, they are better than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the mahal shahid is that from the Quraysh, the mahal shahid of this verse, is that from the Quraysh, there were those that believed in Egypt and Tarot. There were those that believed in the Egypt of the Tarot. Egypt and Tarot. Meaning those things that contradict the teachings of the Prophet and the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before that. And they would fall into exaggeration with regards to those righteous people. That is what the verse tells us. The Mahalu Shahid is that if that was found in the previous nations, then it will also be what? Found in this nation. Then it will also be found in this nation. That's why Ibn Uthaymeen, when explaining this hadith, when explaining these verses, he says that you won't fully understand the verses and the Mahalu Shahid, the point of evidence, until you understand the hadith. Which hadith? The hadith that the Shaykh mentions in the chapter, in this chapter. The next verse. Collected by a Muslim from Thoban, that Allah's Messenger said, Indeed, Allah gathered the earth for me so that I saw its. La, la, the verse, the second verse. قُلْ هَلْ أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِشَرٍ مِّنْ ذَلِكِ مَثُوبَةً عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَعْنَهُ اللَّهُ وَغَضِبَ عَلَيْهِ وَجَعْلَ مِنْهُمُ الْقِرَدَةَ وَالْخَنَازِيرَ وَعَبَدَ الطَّاغُوتِ And that is the Mahal al-Shahid, وَعَبَدَ الطَّاغُوتِ قُلْ هَلْ أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِشَرٍ مِّنْ ذَلِكَ The Prophet ﷺ read the verse again in, in, in English. Shall I... Shall I give you of what is worse than it in, in, in requital with Allah, those who Allah has cursed and whom his anger is upon, making them into monkeys and pigs whose no. work. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us who is worse. Right? Uh, and then Allah is telling us that the ones that are worse are those those that Allah Jalla wa'ala number one cursed. And he or they invoked the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَجَعَلَ مِنْهُمُ الْقِرَدَةَ وَالْخَنَازِيرَ And he made them into pigs and monkeys. وَعَبَدَ الطَّاغُوتِ And they worshipped the Taghut. 
they worshipped the Tagut. So the Mahalu Shahid is in that part of the verse. So the Mahalu Shahid is فَإِذَا كَانَ فِي أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ عَبَدَ الطَّاغُوتِ فَإِذَا كَانَ فِي أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ عَبَدَ الطَّاغُوتِ فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يُوجَدَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَفْعَلُ فِعْلَهُمْ مَنْ يَفْعَلُ فِعْلَهُمْ And the meaning is If you find in the people of the book Those that worshipped the Tawut Everything that was worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Or followed besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Or obeyed besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَلَا بُدَّ Then it is incumbent And it is something that will happen In this Ummah Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa told us That we shall follow Their ways Meaning parts of the Ummah will follow their ways Obviously not the whole of the Ummah Not the whole of the Ummah as we shall see in the Hadith to come Like in parts of the Ummah So that is the Mahal Shahid So these evidences are a refutation to those that say Listen, we say La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah It's impossible for us to fall into shirk We love the Prophet We're only glorifying the Prophet And honouring the Prophet Hence we are making dua to him and we are exalting him by saying that he can answer our duas and he can hear our calls in his grave. The next evidence, the next verse. In English. Those who came later said, let us build a masjid over them. Nah. So this hadith, this verse Afwan, is referring to Ashab al-Kaf, it's al-Kaf. Those people that, were, that died and then they were given life again. And then, وَلَبِثُوا فِي كَحْفِهِمْ ثَلَاثَ مِئَةٍ سِنِينَ ثَلَاثَ مِئَةٍ سِنِينَ وَازْدَادُوا تِسْعَةٍ طيب. Allah Jalla wa'ala mentions that he caused them to die for 300 years and then they came back to life and then after the people saw them they what? they died again then the people disputed over what to do with them what should we do with these people? So from the disputes that were mentioned, from the things that were mentioned is those that, whose affair, those who had يعني, power or those who were in charge and authority they said We shall take them as a masjid meaning as a place of worship as a place of worship So the mahalu shahid is that the verse shows دلت الآية على أن من أن من الأمم السابقة من بنى مساجد على قبور من بنى مساجد على قبور وأنقعهم ذلك في شرك بالله سبحانه وتعالى 
وقد ثبت أن هذا وقد ثبت هذا في هذه الأمة وبين النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن هذا سينقع في هذه الأمة This verse shows that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or that there were those that preceded us, the nations that preceded us, there were those that would build graves or build masajid on graves. They would build masajid, places of worship on graves. And that made them fall into what? Worshipping these graves and shirk. So if it was found in them, then it would be found in this nation. If it was found in them, it would be found in this nation because the Prophet ﷺ said, Verily, you shall follow their paths. You shall follow their paths. Then the last hadith. Collected by a Muslim from Al-Thawban, that Allah's Messenger ﷺ said, Indeed, Allah gathered the earth for me so that I saw its east and west, and surely my Ummah's authority shall reach to all that was shown to me of it. And he granted the two treasures, the red and the white. I asked my Lord that my ummah not be destroyed by drought and it is and it not be overcome by enemies outside of them. My Lord said, O Muhammad, when I issue a decree, it is not reversed. I have granted for your ummah that they will not be destroyed by universal drought and they and that they they not be overcome by enemies outside themselves, even if they gather against them in droves. But some of them will destroy others and some will capture others. It is also recorded by Al-Barqani in his, in his Sahih with the additions But what I fear for my Ummah is deviant leaders and when the sword occurs between them it will not be removed until the day of resurrection and the hour will not occur until a tribe from my Ummah unites with the Mushrikeen and until a large group of my Ummah worships the idols there will be 30 liars yes, in my Ummah Stop there and repeat that last bit again Just that last bit uh, I fear for my ummah and deviant leaders. I fear for my ummah is deviant leaders, and when the sword occurs between them, it will not be removed until the day of resurrection. And that the hour will not occur until a tribe from my ummah unites with the mushrikun and until a large group of my ummah worships the idols. That is the Mahalu Shahid. And until until a large group of my ummah. So before explaining the hadith, the other parts of the hadith or the other benefits. Underline that, underline that part, inshallah. Wahatta tu'bada, wahatta tu'bada, fi'amun, fi'amun min ummati al-awthan. That is the mahal shahid So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that the hour will not be established until a part of my ummah will go to the mushrikeen and also until a large group of people from this ummah, from my ummah, will worship Othan. So that is the hadith of the Prophet. ﷺ. What was the chapter title? Babu Maja and Ummati. The chapter was Evidences proving that a part of this ummah will worship idols. 
will worship awthan and awthan or wathan is everything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in this hadith the Prophet sallallahu is telling us that the hour will not be established until a group of people worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until a group of people worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that is the mahalu shahid from the hadith that is the mahalu shahid from the hadith as for the other parts of the hadith the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that the earth was gathered for the Prophet and he saw the east of it and the west of it the east of it and the west of it and he saw he saw that the authority of his ummah the leadership of his ummah will reach all of these parts the east and the west it will reach the east and the west how could the Prophet see that in the dunya how can we believe this hadith? Using our logic, the Prophet ﷺ, how can he see everything in the east and the west? Do we believe in it? Why? Hmm? Wahis from Revelation, the Prophet ﷺ told us. Do we know how it took place? La. Lakin, do we believe in it? Naam, we believe in it. Why do we believe in it? Because the Prophet ﷺ told us, and Allah says, Everything the Prophet ﷺ mentions is revelation from the Kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is revelation from the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we believe in it as it is. So he said that my yani the authority of the Prophet ﷺ or the Ummah will reach the authority of this Ummah and the leadership of this ummah will each reach the east and the west some of the scholars say that the meaning is the east and the west meaning it excludes what? the north and the, and the south meaning the uh, the da'wah of the Muslims or the uh, the authority or the leadership of the Muslims won't reach these sorts of the, the, the south and the north some say la some of the scholars say la it means everywhere mean east and west meaning everywhere Everywhere, and a lot of scholars say that this is the stronger opinion, or this is one of the stronger opinions. Why? Because there's other evidences where the Prophet ﷺ said that this da'wah will reach everywhere that the night and the day reaches. Everywhere that the night and the day reaches. And he said, وَعْتِيْتُ and I've been given the two treasures, Al Ahmar Wal Abyad, the red and the white. The red and the white. The red and the white. Gold and silver, Gold. And silver and silver belong to the Persians and gold belong to the Rome. Silver belong to the Romans and gold belong to uh, silver belong to the Persians and gold belong to the Romans. So the Prophet mentioned in other hadith that Ustantin will be open, that the Muslims will conquer it. And they did almost eight hundred years after the death of the Prophet وسلم, at the hands of who? Muhammad al-Fatih Rahimahullah ta'ala Rahmatan wasi'ah And Tab'an Persia was also a force was also what? Conquered during what? The time of the Sahaba Ridwanullah ta'ala alayhim And he also made dua that Allah Jalla wa'ala doesn't uh, make a drought to destroy his whole Ummah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam So he made three duas and some of these duas were accepted and some weren't some of these du'as such as that, that, such as that a, doubt, a drought will not destroy the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu in one go and that Allah jalla wa'ala will not uh, allow the other enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the enemies of the Muslims to, to defeat them 
to defeat them. And the Prophet وسلم, was given some of these. For example, Allah says, Ya Muhammad, inni qadaytu qadaan fainahu. إِذَا قَضَيْتُ قَلَانَ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُغَدْ If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a decree, then it is not reversed. وَإِنَّ أَعْطَيْتُكَ لِأُمَّتِكَ أَلَّا أُهْلِكَهُمْ بِسَنَةٍ عَامَّةٍ So the drought, Allah jalla wa ala accepted that dua and they won't be destroyed by a drought. That destroys all of them in one go. وَأَلَّا أُصَلِّدَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًا مِنْ سِوَى أَنفُسِهِمْ And I will not allow them to be defeated and conquered and destroyed by an enemy except from among themselves. Meaning among themselves that they will be uh, destroying themselves and killing themselves to the extent that this outside enemy will conquer and kill every single one of them that won't happen until they themselves destroy one another and capture one another and take each other as captives and so on and so forth so the Prophet ﷺ informed us of these fitting that will happen and these fitting started after the time of Uthman عنه, and they will remain. طيب. And then the Prophet ﷺ said in the second part or in the other part of the hadith mentioned by Bunqini, which he's, or he was the Shaykh of Imam Khatib al-Baghdadi, he said, so Bunqani, he's got a book called Mustakhraj al-Sahihin and he's the teacher of Khatib al-Baghdadi. He mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, وَإِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي الْأَئِمَّةِ الْمُدِلِّينَ I fear for my ummah, the leaders, evil leaders. Evil leaders. And these evil leaders are of two. Whether they are rulers of Muslim lands, so these evil leaders are of two. Whether they are rulers of Muslim lands, the wulat, or whether they are people from Ahlul Bid'ah, innovators, Calling to misguidance, calling to innovations and misguidance. So the Prophet ﷺ warned against these two. And he warned against both of them in different ahadith. For example, the hukam, he told us how to deal with them. If they take the wealth of the Muslims and they oppress them and so on and so forth, the Prophet ﷺ gave us. Uh, information and advice on how to deal with them and that is discussed in the books of hadith as for those people that are what people of ahlul bid'ah then he also sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us how to deal with them that they should not be followed they should not be obeyed and they should not be or they should be refuted and so on and so forth to the extent that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said about the khawarij that he would fight them if he if he sees them if he meets them he would fight them like the people of ad he would fight them and kill them like the people of and then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that And that is the mahalu shahil of the hadith That a group of people will worship idols And then he said sallallahu There will be 30 liars from my ummah And every one of them will claim that he is a prophet So those 30 are the main 30 Or, or those 30 are those that had followers there were main people that had followers that claimed prophethood. Like in, there were many other people that claimed prophethood, and that happened during the time of the during the time of the companions, and then after uh, throughout the nations. For example, Ghulam Ahmed. These, this person that the Ahmadiyya they follow, they claim that he was a prophet after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And anyone that has that belief is what is a kafir. 
So if you come across any of the places that they worship, if you come across any of their temples, don't go into their temples because it is not a masjid. Their temples are not masajid. And obviously they were founded and funded by the British government. Common knowledge. That's why when it's Christmas or when someone dies in the royal family, they send them uh, condolences and so on, saying from the Ahmed, and they put it all on the buses and so on and so forth. طيب. And then the last part of the hadith The last part of the hadith The Prophet gave us glad tidings Which is the Prophet said They will not cease to be from my ummah They will always be from my ummah A group of people They are guided and they are aided and supported upon the haqq and those that oppose them and those that forsake them will not what will not be able to harm them until the affair of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes until yawm al-qiyamah comes so in this part of the hadith the prophet split the ummah into three ummatun ala al-haqq a group of people or ta'ifatun ala al-haqq that will forsake them and they are those that know the truth like in they don't support the truth they are no they are those that know who's upon the haq like in they don't support them and then ta'ifatun mukhalifa and a group who oppose the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a group of people who oppose the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we should know that there will always be people calling to the haqq there will always be Ahlul Sunnah wherever they are they may be many in number or may, they may be few in number they may be scattered all over the earth or they may be gathered in one place and they are from different Tribes, walks of life, and different backgrounds, and so on. Like in what brings them together is the fact that they call upon the haq, they call to the haq. One may say, How do we know what the haq is? There's a saying they say, Everyone claims to be with married to Layla, like in Layla is not married to any of them. It's a saying in Arabic. Why? Because everyone says we're on the haqq. The one that is worshipping the grave of the Prophet says I'm on the haqq. And you Wahhabis are upon Badil. And you Wahhabis are kuffar. The one that is deserting the sunnah, leaving the sunnah of the Prophet and killing the Muslims claims to be upon the haqq. How do we know the one upon the haqq? Very easy. Look into the Quran of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet and the understanding of the companions whoever is upon that understanding then he is the person that is upon haq keep that as a principle throughout your life throughout your lives know that the person upon the haq is or those that are upon the haq are those that are upon the quran and the sunnah the teachings of the quran and the sunnah everyone claims to be upon the quran and the sunnah lacking 
those that are upon the correct teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah with the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih, they are upon the Haqq. For example, a person who worships other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person who does tawaf around the grave and calls upon the dead, can that person be upon the Haqq? Of course not. Why? Because he opposes the Quran and the Sunnah. The one that kills innocent Muslims, the one that kills innocent people, can he be upon the Haqq? Because our religion is not a bloodthirsty religion that calls to the spilling of blood. The one that celebrates the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ, can he be upon the Haqq? La, he can't be upon the Haqq because we know that the Prophet said Kullu bid'atin dalala, kullu Every innovation is in misguidance. So that is the only way that you can know who is upon the Haqq. Because as you get older, and as you interact with a lot more people, and as you seek knowledge, and learn more, and listen to more, everyone will claim to be upon the Haqq. You may even find some that say you're not on the Haqq because you go to a certain masjid. Or you're not upon the Haqq because you don't go to a certain masjid. It happens. There are those among us who claim to be upon the manager of the Salaf al-Salih, who say that the tuskiyah that you have from those people, the elders in the community, the tuskiyah that you can have, tuskiyah meaning the praise that they give you, and they say, now you're ready to teach and so on. They say that that is more precious than any, and it's worth more than any, any degree that you can get from the Islamic University of Medina. Meaning you can study for however many years you want, but when you come back into the community, if you're not given the stamp of approval, then you're not worth anything. Worth anything. Like, how are you going to navigate around that? Number one, that you seek knowledge. You seek knowledge. You learn. You learn from the books of the scholars. You learn from the Quran and the Sunnah. Do not let anyone to place a barrier between you and Ahlul Ilm, the people of knowledge. Do not let anyone place a barrier between you and the methodology of the Salaf al-Salih. So even if your teachers say to you, the only way that you can know the methodology of, of Ahl-Sunnah is through me, then leave them. If they say to you, the only way that you can be a Salafi is if you come to my classes, if you come to my conferences, if you come to my masjid, then know that they're not upon the Haqq. Because the Haqq is not restricted to a certain individual, and it's not restricted to a certain group of people. So if you hear someone saying, if you come to the UK and you're not connected to a certain group of people, then know that that person is upon misguidance. Why? Because in order to be upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah You need to follow the Qur'an of Allah And the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Upon the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih And you don't have to say Make tabdi' of this shaykh Make tabdi' of that shaykh And I don't mix my words So now it can't be said That he meant this and he meant that And this and that The way to be a Salafi Forget about us and all of that stuff. The way to be a Salafi is to be upon the Qur'an of Allah. The Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Upon the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih, the Sahaba. If you believe in everything that is found in these books, and you follow the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that is found in these books of Aqeedah, 
in the Quran, in the hadith of the Prophet then you are upon the haqq of the Prophet upon the correct methodology of the Prophet Now if someone comes to you and says, listen, sah, you're right, you follow everything that is in there, but there's a few more, but, uh, a few more things that you have to also say. Make tabdi' of this shaykh, this shaykh is a mubtadi' he's no longer upon the haqq, this shaykh as well, and this shaykh, and this sheikh, and this sheikh, and this sheikh, like they say today, you say, خلاص, هذا ما أنزل الله بها من As for that, Allah Jalla wa hasn't revealed. If I have to make tabdi' of this person, and this person, and this person to be upon the haqq, then what about all of the mashaykh that don't make tabdi' of this? What about Albani, he didn't make tabdi' of this person? And this person, and this person. So to restrict my Salafiyyah to making tabdi' of that person, that is not something that was practiced by Imam al-Bani, Ibn Uthaymin, Ibn Baz, Wala Fawzan, Wala Abad, Wala Luhaydan. So do not let, allow ideological terrorism to take place in your community. And do not allow those people to terrorize you and say to you, if you're not with us, you're not sincere. If you're not with us, you're not sincere. And just to add, everyone refutes Ahlul Bid'ah. In order to be from Ahlul Sunnah to Wal Jama'ah, from the foundations of Ahlul Sunnah to Wal Jama'ah is what? Al-Wala Wal-Bara. Love for the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and hate for the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Love for Allah's sake and hate for Allah's sake. Don't love for the sake of Masjid al-Nawawi. Don't love for the sake of your teachers. If any of your teachers in this Masjid or any of your teachers elsewhere say you have to love what I love, and hate what I hate and who I hate, then know they are upon misguidance. See, when you dissect things like this, and you don't mix your words, and you learn like this, you will know who's upon the haqq and who's not. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he used to say what? Know the truth, and you will know the men upon it. Anyone can say to you, I've been in the da'wah for 45 years. Fawzan can say to you, what are you going to say? Fawzan can say to you, I've been in a da'wah for 50 years, you have to follow me. It's true, he has. For 60 years or so. Like, that is that has never been a criterion. Not in one of the tapes of Albani, or Ibn Baz, or Ibn Uthaymin, you will hear them saying, listen, Yaqi, me, I'm sacred ground. 50 years. According to the haqq. You find me one tape where they say that. I say, listen, you have to be with me because I've been calling upon the haqq for 50 years. Rather, Ibn, ba, Ibn Uthayn, al-Bani used to like it when people question him. Maddalil, what is the evidence for this? Like in to say everyone else is upon batil, apart from my group, that methodology is learned from, is taught with the khawarij. Not with Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. Misail. Important points. And I, and I often go into these things because at your stage, you, there are those people who try to give you ideological terrorism with me or against me, where they have that methodology. George Bush had that methodology. Today they tell you if you don't oppose, if you don't condemn Hamas, you're a terrorist, sah? With or against. So they have that methodology. You're either with me, if you don't come to my mishnah, then my conference is in this, you're against me. Khalas, you say to them, we're not from the streets, we don't live on the streets. We're in the Naqala Allah, we're in the Rasul. We're in the Salaf al-Salih. 
As for the mafia, culture, and gang culture, it have been. Fadl. Important points. The explanation of the ayah of Surah An-Nisa. <coughs> the explanation of the ayah of Surah An-Nisa. Allah Jalla wa'ala says, refutes those who say that the mushrikun are more guided than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Although they knew the truth. Although they knew the truth. And the fact that they believed in Jibt wa Ta'ghut. And we understood. We've already studied what Jibt and Ta'ghut mean. The explanation of the ayah of Surah Al-Ma'idah. The explanation of the ayah of Surah Al-Kahf Of uh, the importance here is the meaning of Iman in Egypt Is it the belief It is the belief in the heart or is it the belief in the heart or is it the approval of its practitioner While he hates it and is aware of its falsehood So knowing what it means Egypt And at the same time to stay away from it and to not fall into the ways of those that believe in Jibt wa Taghut. They're saying, i.e. the Jews, that the disbelievers, while aware of their disbelief, are more guided than the believers. Now, so they said, the, Mushik, the, the, the people of the book, the Jews, they said that you are more guided. Even though Allah Jalla wa'ala says about them, They know Allah, they know the Prophet wasallam. As they know the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they know the Prophet as they know their children. And then Allah Jalla wa'ala says, الحق, And a group of them hide the haqq. Whilst they know. Whilst they know. So that was a trait that they had that we, that we have to also stay away from. The goal of this topic, that this will definitely happen to this ummah as acknowledged by the hadith of Abu Sa'id. Naam, shuf. How the Prophet sallallahu alaihi how the Shaykh rahimahullah is saying that this will happen because the Prophet said this in the hadith of where? The hadith of Isa'id, meaning you will follow these paths and these, the ways of uh, the, 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 the people of the book and those nations that came before us. The declaration of its occurrence that is that many groups of this ummah would worship idols. Now, the fact that it will happen, it, did ha- it will happen, the Prophet said. And the Prophet said, Hatta until a group of my people, I mean large groups of my people, will Ummah will worship the Othan. So that was the Prophet telling us. And everything that Prophet says is the Prophet said is what? It's haq, it's true, and it will happen. And it has happened. The most amazing point, the appearance of claimants to prophethood like Al Mukhtar while he utters the Shahadatain and declares that he is the member of this Ummah, and he declares that the Messenger and the Quran are the truth, and that Muhammad is the finality of the Prophet. And yet clearly contradicting all of this while acknowledging its truthfulness. Al-Mukhtar appeared at the end of the companion's time and was followed by many groups. In summary, the Shaykh is saying, Rahimahullah, and from the strangest of things, is that these people say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. The second part, what does it mean? That you're believing that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. And the second part is that Muhammad is his final slave and messenger. They utter these words, yet they claim to be prophets. So the Shaykh said, Rahimahullah, it is strange, yani, the clear contradiction that they have, whereby Allah Jalla wa'ala says that He is the Khatim al Nabiyyin, He's the final of the Prophet, the seal of the Prophets, and they read the Quran and they say, La ilaha illallah, yet they claim prophethood. 
yet they claim that they are prophets. And it is said that that individual, Ahmed Ghulam, he died in the toilet, they say. And the Anbiya of Allah are buried where? Where they die. <laughs> God. The good news that the truth will not completely vanish as it did in the past, but that there is a party that will never lose it. Now, so the Prophet ﷺ is saying that there will always be a part of this ummah upon the haqq. They may be many, they may be few in number. Lacking, there will always remain a people upon the haqq. Unlike those that came before us, they were to misguided in totality. The magnificent sign that thought that though fought, they will not be harmed by those who abandon or oppose them. No, so those that oppose them and those that forsake them won't be able to harm the people upon the haqq. That this condition remains until the hour is established. No. The magnificent signs that these texts contain. No, so the Sheikh rahimahullah, is going to mention a few different things that the Prophet mentioned in the hadith that will happen or have occurred. He وسلم, informing that Allah displayed the east and the west and he told of what... No, of so the Prophet وسلم, uh, saw the east and the west and some say it was the night of Isra wal Mi'raj and some say he saw it وسلم, in a dream. It occurred as he informed, but on the contrary, not the south and the north. Now, on the contrary, on the south and the north. So, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin says what? He believed, remember those two opinions that I said that the scholars have? What is the opinion of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin then, based on that? It is specific to the east and the west. Not Ibn Uthaymin, Sheikh Muhammad He informed that he would be. He's informing that Allah displayed the east and the west. Naam. He informed that he would be granted the two treasures. Naam. He informed that the two of his supplications were answered. That also, sorry, when you hear of these yani, uh, hadith talking about the end of time and the fact that the believers, there will always be a group of people and so on, then know that what we're witnessing now going on in, in, in Palestine, the land of the believers, at the hands of those shayateen, then know that that is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to be patient and make dua for our, our brothers and help them in any way that we can. Lakin we also have to be certain that there will come a time when even the tree will say what? Now, regardless of how long they carry on with their oppression. And in those shayateen, every despicable trait that you can think of in a human being is found in them in the Zionist just as a disclaimer go on he informed that the third supplication was withheld no he informed of the coming of the sword and that there will be no relief from it once it began no, that the Ummah of Prophet will fight one another he informed of the appearance of the claimants to prophethood in his ummah, in this ummah. Naam, those individuals that will claim to be prophets. And there were many of them. Some men, mostly men. Like in there were some women that claimed to be, to be prophets. Some of the men, some initially they would say they were righteous people. Like Ahmed Ghulam, he had stages. Some of them would say, sometimes he would say that he was a righteous person. He was an awliya. Then... Revelation comes to him or then he was a Mahdi and then so on and so forth. So he was like getting a promotion every time. 
until he felt that he reached prophethood, until he reached prophethood. And it happened during the time of Abdullah ibn Umar as well. There was an individual that claimed that he was a prophet. And he actually, that individual actually fought those people who killed Hussein radiallahu anhu. And he claimed to be from the people of Ahl Bayt. And after a period of time, he said that he was a prophet and the revelation comes, and Jibreel came, comes to him. He said that, he claimed that Jibreel alayhi salam comes to him. And when, it, when they asked Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu about the revelation, he said the revelation comes to him because it's true he's not lying the revelation of the shaitan comes to him he informed of the survival of the victorious party no all of this has occurred and he as he informed even though each defies reason hmm. restricting restrict restricting the fear for his ummah to misguided leaders no so the prophet mentioned that the, the reason for the misguidance of the ummah is due to uh, deviant leaders whether they are leaders of the dunya meaning leaders of the dunya or whether they are leaders that call to misguidance and the Prophet said in the hadith in another hadith hadith Hudayfa I believe it was warned against du'atun ala abwabi jahannam callers to the doors uh, the doors of jahannam his emphasis of the meaning of worshipping idols. Nah, worshipping idols. Not only does it mean sujood to them, like in obeying them and giving them rights, giving them the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on and so forth. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa ahkam.